This is the Unscripted Podcast. You ever seen anybody use a divining rod before? A what? A divining rod. Like Moses' rod, divine no, rod? No, no, no. That's that's divine wrath. <laughs> uh, to find water. Oh, you're talking about where they witched for water, so, so to speak? What'd you call it? Witched? Witching. Witching for water. That, that that paints it in a bad light. I know. <laughs> they, uh, what, well, a divining rod. Well, that sounds better. It's like no. saying that, that, like, you got God in your hands. <laughs> well, well, I got lives, the hands of God right here. The, uh, you know, we're just talking about the, um, you know, kind of the difference in the way things are in different parts, you know, depending on where you're at, you know. Yeah. And the, um, I remember we had a, a leak. That kept coming up, like our water bill at the church went to like two, three, four hundred dollars a month, right? Mm-hmm. And and then um, the church was in the city. He's like, "How much is people drinking?" Well, and you know, you think like already something, something's wrong. I already think they're ripping you off, anyways. Right? Anything commercial? Did they charge y'all for sewer too? They did. So yeah. whatever you in for a dollar and out for a out dime. For a dollar. Yeah. And so the. So whatever it was, you know, if your water was a hundred dollars, you pay two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So trying to find a whale then. No, what it was was there. We kept seeing water surface in the parking lot, and it was down on the lower end of the parking lot. No, I meant where you d- you divine rod or whatever. Well, you uh, I'm gonna tell you, and yeah. and so we we had a company because we determined we had a leak, right? Because it's in the middle of August, and I mean, yeah. you know, it don't rain in Virginia in August. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just ain't gonna do it. And it's soupy over there. Yeah, and it's soupy over there, mm-hmm. and so. And it was underneath the parking lot where it was coming up, you know, where like the two joints had come together. So I was like, man, how are we going to, you know, so we got a company to come in and they were going to do that directional boring and follow the pipe and everything like that. And, you know, the, the, <laughs> it was like, I don't remember, 10, 15, $20,000 to fix this. I mean, it was a major thing. Like we had to jack, goodness. jackhammer the four year. I mean, it was just, the, you know, we're like looking at, you know, this huge scope of a project, right? And uh, we just went out front and just took a divining rod and just walked around till we found it. And shink, it's it, crazy how that'll do it. How you, you just I used the clothes hangers. Yep. And and just used the two clothes hangers. And, uh, and the water. Something about what the magnetism or whatever that's, that's of the a, earth. That's the only thing I can think of in my head. Mm-hmm. You know, I've tried to think through this. You know, the physics of it, and 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 you know, just shink. and it was literally like. If you could, if this was the front of the church, and then right here is a sidewalk. There was a flower bed in the middle. It was literally it crossed right in the flower bed. So we went literally out there, and we dug. And I'm talking about like we're 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 just kind of chomping at the bit, thinking, man, we're going to drop twenty thousand, mm-hmm, you know, whatever it was right. on this. We went out there with a shovel, and we dug down, and we found whoever when they backfilled the church lot, right when they were building the, the that's like a new section of the church mm-hmm. over there when they were building that new section they put a rock in there about three times the size of my bible back in the backfield well that rock had just yeah slowly, just slowly worked its way down to that water line and it had rubbed it and so we went down to the plumbing supply store and we fixed it for a dime <laughs> we cut a chunk out put a coupling in put a coupling in <laughs> and fixed it for a dime and two divining rods and so I reckon the the moral of that story is is that you know we could have paid twenty thousand dollars, yeah, and uh, we we'd have had the same result. You know what they'd have done? They'd have found it right out front, and then they just said we fixed it for you. You know, yeah. And, that that reminds me, um, 
just like a just a Jesus and the like you if you're if you're gonna try to do things like the old culture old old covenant way, the old cultural way, you know, you're gonna have to pay for your sins. Right. And and and, uh, and, and we make it too complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, like, you know, just think about the Lord saying, just come to me. I'll love you. Absolutely. I mean, think about, you know, us laying Miss Jessie Ridley to, to rest yesterday. I mean, you know, I've been to a lot of funerals. Mm-hmm. And I know you have too. And, you know, you go to some that just go sideways. You know, I mean, the, have I ever told you the story about the guy falling in the hole? <laughs> yes. And yeah, the uh, maybe I'll have to tell it. <laughs> Bad story, but good story. So I had this guy working for me. Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead and hit the button. Story time with Chris. Well, I had this guy that worked for me. Great guy. What was his name again? Tim. Are, are you going? Yeah, Tim. Or, we called him Too Tall. Yeah, Too Tall. Yeah, I mean, he was when we put a door casing in. He could. He had to duck to go under. Yeah. You know, when, once we got a door frame, a door hung, and he was just. Big and loud. I, I always thought he couldn't hear good because he hollered when he talked to you. You ever know them guys like that? It just my wife says I'm that way. <laughs> just hollering all the time. Yeah, it's loud. Like, it's like um, you I know do how that to use your preacher voice everywhere. Huh? Well, I do that to Liam. Liam, yeah. can you hear me? Yes, Daddy, I can hear you. But I'm talking about you know we go in loads. He's just hollering about everything. We gotta go find the nails. Where's the nails at? You know we need get them thirty degree. Don't get them ones we got wrong. I mean, just like he's like he's mad. You know, and so. Well, Tim, he was a good guy. I tried to teach him the gospel. And um, Tim, um, he had this crazy thing wrong with him. And um, so he had this inflammation, like arthritis in his blood. And Mm. so they were doing, you know, we were just an hour south of UVA. And uh, so UVA was doing all this, like, experimental research on him. They told him, like, listen, because, like, his hands would just swell up and bust. Like it, it would, it would like you ever seen like you get them splits in your fingers from yeah. being cold and stuff like that. His going to do that in the middle of the summer from just swelling up, right? Or his toes or something like that. Well, you know the they Crazy told him when, what happens when something gets in your blood. Well, and they told him like you know eventually if this goes to your heart, if this goes to your eyes, it could swell up and and you'd be or blind. Should, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Well, he was renting a place from um, somebody in my family and. The, they had put up one of those fancy above-ground pools, not like the little Walmart, you know, uh, Redneck Riviera job, yeah. but like, a, you know, a fancy one, you know. And he was going to get in it, and they don't know whether he hit his head, had a heart attack and died, or had a heart attack and hit his head on the way down and died. Yeah. But when they found him in the pool, he didn't even have water in his lungs. Yeah. I mean, that's how quick he died, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we had the, the funeral. You know, for Tim and I, I did the funeral, and I was glad to be able to do it. And and um, he, I mean, like I said, he was, he was an employee, but he was also a friend. You know, yeah. and well, he had this guy that was his best buddy, Jerry Lee. We called him Bull, right? Well, Jerry Lee only had one eye. All right. So, and Jerry Lee, I mean, he was one of those guys with the heart the size of Texas. I mean, mm-hmm. just just you know, awesome guy. You know. They all rode. He rode Tim's bike to the graveside and everything like that. I mean, just a just a all around good guy. Jerry Lee was well. None of us thought. You know, this is springtime in Virginia when the grass has just come up green and there's no flat ground. You know, and mm-hmm. so we're out on this hillside. And we get out the car. I was a preacher and I was also a pallbearer, and uh, so we're toting Tim 
to the grave. Well, none of us had enough sense to think about, you know, a, a person that's missing one eye, like your brain, God is smart and I shouldn't say smart enough. God could see that we would need all these special things to be successful in, in, in the world that he created. Well, you would what, need both eyes. Right? You would need both eyes and your, your brain cancels out your nose. You close your eyes, you see your nose. Mm-hmm. And so your brain cancels your, you see your audience. Brain. Y'all, y'all do that. <laughs> you try that. You know, they are, you know, and, and so your brain cancels out your nose. Well, guess what? If you're missing an eye, you can't see past that side. Well, we had Jerry Lee, whichever side, <laughs> It was on, if, if he had his right eye missing, yet the right eye was on the casket side. And none of us thought about this, <laughs> right? And so we get up there, and, you know, you got your Sunday go to meet and shoot clothes yeah. on, and, you know, mm. you ain't got no traction on your, your yeah. fancy shit. And Jerry, had, Jerry Lee had on a pair of slick bottom leather cowboy boots. He comes walking across there. I mean, he's just, <laughs> you know, just, just a blubbering mess, you know, and we're toting him. Now, you got to think about this. I don't care if you're as skinny as a fence post. If you're almost seven foot tall, there's a whole lot of boy there. You got what I'm saying? Yeah. You ain't going to get 180 pounds uh, a person in a six foot nine unless you like one of these uh, Ethiopian starving commercials. You know? Yeah, exactly. You know? Long distance. <laughs> yeah. So we're all trying to tote Tim, right? And, and the family couldn't afford a lot of money for big, like a bigger casket and everything like that. So there's only space for three of us on each side. Going up to the grave. Jerry Lee, we're we're all struggling. You know, you, you've been a Paul Bear before. Sometimes mm-hmm. it is a struggle, yeah. you know. And 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 here it's flatter, so they can get closer to the graves here. But yeah. but back home, you know, sometimes you may have to walk, you know, seventy five yards or fifty uh, yards. Hell, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're in that scenario. Well, we get up there, and I'm talking poor old Jerry Lee. My may I see? <laughs> Should have been working out the past four weeks, you know, just to talk to. Well, Bob, I mean, I love him, and I'll never forget this. But we get up there, and he can't see. And Jerry Lee slips and falls in the hole. You know, when we get up there. The grave hole? The grave hole, right? And the only thing, you know, they had the little bars, you know, right. that they, they like, like they kind of winch you down uh-huh. in, the, the, the corpse down in the yeah, hole with. Right. Well, Jerry Lee hits, you know, he falls down. Boom, you know, one leg goes down in. So instantly, number here's two things that happen, right? He lets go of the casket. Nope. He uses the casket to pull himself up. So now we've got Tim and Jerry Lee we're picking up, right? And Five and, of you now. Yeah, five of us, and we're talking two people, right. right? And, and you know, I'm thinking, like, I'm going to drop him. I'm going to drop him, you know? And I'm thinking, he's going in the grave. You know, just like, this is going to be a mess. Well, I would love to see Chris's face when this is going down. Yeah, I'm telling you right now, poor old Jerry Lee, and I felt so sorry for him. You know, I mean, I, I and – and really and truly, you know, we recovered, and he didn't go all the way in the hole. You know, he caught himself on the little bar and and the the uh, the <laughs> casket too. You know, and the what? You didn't see that one coming exactly. And so, you know, you think about <laughs> funerals, and I've seen some crazy ones. You know, mm-hmm. and I've seen them mad and fighting and and oh yeah you know just you, you know they bring out the worst in people but man I i've seen you. them where they thought somebody's gonna show up and they're gonna kill them like we've had to be we've had to work like when you work homicides and all that kind of stuff like you're they're always afraid that somebody's gonna show up and there's gonna be a shooting and i mean there yeah there's there's been some craziness between ministry and law enforcement which sometimes those aren't too far apart yeah <laughs> <laughs> absolutely because uh, both of them you're dealing with messes you're dealing with a mess in some kind of way well but you know like yesterday you know sister jesse's 
funeral. I mean, man, just think about one like that where, you know, a town sends a letter. Yeah. You know, just think about a life lived where you live it in such a way that it's so special that you impact so many, you know, you, the things that you've done in this life echo will echo into eternity, many, many ripples. And, you know, I, I, we start with a story about the divining rod and we could have made that thing really complicated and we'd have still had the same results. You know, we still would have eventually found the, the leak. Well, you know, the blessing of a funeral like Miss Jessie's is that she didn't make it real complicated. Mm-hmm. She made it real easy and real special. She took a, I mean, pretty much like you, we just had a, you know, 2,000 rounds of ammo just kind of given to us. Yeah. It was just, you know, some some people, when you preach a funeral, you're just, you're kind of looking for something to nice to say. Right. And and sometimes you got to dig for it. That's and, right. And I mean, I've literally the the hardest funerals to do is ones that you don't you never knew the person, mm-hmm. and so you never knew anything about them because sometimes families are so distraught that you can't you know. So you can think about things that they did in their life that are positive, whatever. And then sometimes, man, if they didn't have a great relationship with their family, and you just start asking for like fruit or evidence. Sometimes, man, it's hard for them to pull it out. But yeah, you end up with a raisin exactly yeah it's tough and and but the the let's see how far we can stretch this raisin for 30 minutes right. for a funeral <laughs> i'm cutting this i'm dividing this raisin amongst 30 people here i, I had you a know. friend friend of mine he said uh he he was a older man he worked security at the courthouse and just a big cut up terry majors was his name and i, I may have told the story before but terry he he uh he brought a cow tongue to up there to the courthouse to let people try it to eat and uh <laughs> He's like, he's like, hey, you want some of this? And they're like, well, what is it? He's like, or he'll be like, hey, you ever tried cow tongue before? And people are like, no. Have you ever seen one? Yeah, I've seen. I mean, they're this huge, it's a huge thing. And so he's got, he's got like half of a cow tongue, <laughs> and he's he's like, try to tear it off, try to eat. It was the biggest joke for him. And so he said, uh, he said, hey, preacher. He said, Jesus fed five thousand with with five loaves and two fish. He said, I fed ninety three this morning. <laughs> With a cow, cow tongue. tongue. <laughs> <laughs> because nobody won't eat it. That's right. <laughs> they take a little nibble. And uh but that's yeah, that's what you're trying to do. <laughs> See how far you can stretch this little raisin for somebody, but man, Jesse Ridley. She gave a cornucopia. Oh know? my goodness. Yeah. And, and uh shoot, man, such blessed blessed memories there. When you when you talk about a woman who who'd sleep on the floor for two weeks just so a preacher's got somewhere to sleep for a tent meeting for the gospel. Uh man, powerful. And um uh, you know, the the first funeral like when never I never complained. Oh man. Just a, I mean you know, there's certain qualities about people that are just outstanding mm-hmm. you know that you try to mirror yourself after well she would be the, the benchmark for everybody yeah you know she would be the one that never had anything ugly to say and and you go to a funeral for somebody like that and and you just almost want to do a victory dance mm-hmm. you know you just want to spike the football and and you know jump into the crowd and uh, and i remember the first funeral that i went to there was an elder in the church that probably in the congregation back home that was probably one of the most influential 
people and me becoming a Christian that he'll never he'll ever know. And the the his daddy died, who was also an elder in the church. After I became a Christian, mm-hmm. and um, went to his funeral, and this is a long time ago. But anyways, went to his funeral, and and um, I remember his daddy, the people getting up and kind of doing the. You know, like, let me tell you a little bit about him. Mm-hmm. You know, let me tell you my story about him or whatever. And, you know, this goes way back because I remember him saying things like, you know, them telling stories like, I remember when Brother Troy, me and my wife were down sick, and he went to the store and got us two cartons of Paul Malls and brought them to it. <laughs> Paul Malls. <laughs> you know. Two cartons of or cigarettes. Or Lucky Strikes or whatever it was, you know, yeah. two cartons of cigarettes. And, you know, the the um, you look back on those things and you think like, you know, of course, we realize now the 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 peril and the the the, the you know the bad associated with that, mm-hmm. you know. But they didn't know that in 1959, right. you know. And so, when those guys are telling those stories, they're telling a life of service, you mm-hmm. know. They're telling about somebody that 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 truly has gone on to their rest. And so, you know, I thought that um, you know today we could just talk about. You know, we've been talking about legacy in our congregation, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you know, we were just kind of brought up this idea of, of you know, your your you did last week in our or week before, whenever it was, in our sermon about um, you know, write your eulogy today, and I've heard that phrase or saying before, and yeah, but that, that's what you're doing in life is the thing, the decisions that you make today may be. The most impactful thing because it one it may be the last thing that you ever do, or it may be the the uh, the most important thing that affects somebody else. Um, you know the the story of you know you ever butcher somebody's name. Oh, so the you mean today or yeah, just in general? <laughs> yeah, so the guy I'm telling the story from, like I thought his name was Dave, Chris. His name was Kevin. <laughs> Bob, how do you mess that up? You you mess it up. I messed it up, and you know the he had this small window to to teach side the gospel, yeah. And and he and he did it. And in fact, I mean, I got a lot of those stories right or whatever. You know the gist of it or whatever. But you know parts of it that I, I didn't get right. But the fact of the matter is, is you know he taught side of the gospel, and side had a had such it had such a big impact on him. Eventually, that I mean, he he did. I mean, he he took it. He took Christianity serious, and you know, he had a twenty year plan. God gave him seventeen years, you know, of that plan. Mm-hmm. And and you don't you don't know what what day or hour, and that's a that's the blessing of you know of of uh, the scriptures that talk about there in Second Thessalonians. He says that don't. Don't be fooled, you know, and don't be deceived. And I don't want you to be like I don't. I want you to have a clear understanding of where. Talking about funerals, this is one of the my favorite scriptures that I read. Just pretty much at every gravesite. And so, if you die and I'm doing your funeral, I'm, I'm gonna read this. I, I do the same thing because it's just so you know. I I usually read it at where you say you do it at the graveside. Mm-hmm. That's usually where I do it at too. Just you know. Yeah, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. That's those who have died. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. If we believe Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. 
For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. There ain't going to be somebody uh, getting called up out of the airplane. And well, What if we get, what if the pilot, you know, gets called up and we're all left behind, you know? Don't worry about that. The Lord's, the Lord's descending from heaven with a shout. With the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Well, we put a chapter end in that from the end of chapter 4, but chapter 5 says, But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write to you. You know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. I put a little note in here, so be ready, Bob. <laughs> it comes as a thief, so you better be ready. This life is but a vapor. It's it's wintertime outside in some parts of the world. <laughs> Not, <laughs> South Mississippi, it's pretty comfortable right, it's right pretty now. Springy. But if you go outside and and you breathe, go out go out there when it's cold and, and you <sighs> exhale a breath, and as long as that thing lasts, that's how long your your life is you, in eternity. In a, compare, in comparison to eternity, it's that vapor, and that's how much time you got. So write your eulogy now. For when we say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. They shall not escape. You, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You're sons of light. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us he's walk. He's just reminding them. Let's, let's pause a minute because he's reminding them, like, guys, you know these things. I, I just need to remind you to hold on. It's not like you're – it's why he uses this idea of you're not in darkness. You've been illuminated. You've seen the light. You All these things. So don't think that this is something that – You're going to have eternity to rest and sleep. Right. They rest from their labors, you know, Revelation 14. <laughs> Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love as the helmet of the hope of salvation. God did not point us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. And whether we are we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing so he he speaks that two times in in 418 and 511 comfort each other with these words don't don't let this thing don't let this thing hit you you know in the in the side of the face you know you've been hit by a ball out of nowhere and i got it, hit by a bird one time when i was on my harley a big old pheasant i mean it was i mean it and it was a monster you know Pow! i mean it just came out of nowhere so yeah yeah and it's and and that's a you know you out there you know in the yard with the kids or whatever in a conversation and all of a sudden here comes a you know basketball or softball, <laughs> pow! Mm-hmm. I mean those are the ones that will test you like uh, uh, that you typically fail. <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't, Chris. I'm just talking yeah. about me. Okay. Yeah, it's like uh, man, I sure hope my kids remember like all them Bible studies we did at night. Not that time the daddy blew up, you know, right. or whatever. Took a wiffle ball bat to him. Yeah, but he's like, don't let this thing hit you like a ton of bricks or in the side of the head from a softball. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, you, you know, there's this kind be of. Be ready. Yeah, there's this, there is this, um, how do you say, uh, 
you know, we, we use these fancy terms sometimes like type and anti-type. And I don't know if, if those are really well understood terms, mm-hmm. but, but really what it is is these things that God, what he did was he put in place these certain things to be a shadow. Yeah. You know, Hebrews I, 10 talks mm-hmm. about the law being a shadow of good things to come. Yeah. You know, not the, the very express image of those things. And, and what he, what we've talked about some of those things before, but, you know, there's just, there's just real picture that God paints with the children of Israel. And he's trying to get them to see this, this really long-term vision. You know, not short-term, but long-term. And what he's doing is he's using the children of Israel for us to become substance and evidence, yeah. right? To them, it was it was evidence, and to us, it's substance. Yeah, so right? I want you to expound on that some because sometimes um, people may not understand that. So to the children of Israel, they say the re- the Red Sea get parted. Yeah, so let, let's just let, let's kind of just take a step back and look at the 50,000-foot view, mm-hmm. all right? So Israel has been in Egypt 400 years, right, give or take. You know, it's mm-hmm. 400 some change by this point. But they've been in there four centuries. They look like Egyptians. They talk like Egyptians. They, they, I mean, Joshua even says that they had adopted the, you know, Joshua 24, 15, mm-hmm. they'd ad- adopted the Egyptian gods. Well, you know, the, the Pharaoh is oppressing them, and they didn't realize collectively that they needed salvation. Yeah, and people, and so some of our people, I'm going to, just take a little pause right here, but yeah. not going to sidestep too far. But, like, people think, well, well, like, that's only 400 years. Look, y'all, America's been a country 246 years. And look how much we transitioned from where we were founded at in 1700s to, to where we're at now. And it's like, look at this shift. And so just imagine another another twice as much. Yeah, another 150 years yeah. on top of what we're at. And just imagine how much change. I mean, you got you got World War Two vets who they're. I mean, they're they're taking videos of these ninety year old men crying, and they're like, and they're looking at this country and some of the decision made, and they're like, this is not what we fought for. This is from the forties. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, like I remember when I was a boy, you know, World War One vets. You know, were just mm-hmm. kind of like the ones that for our children are the World War Two vets. Yeah. You know, and. So, and those guys, you know, I'm glad that we can have this kind of digital snapshot and capture these things because, you know, like the America, you know, that was the great, the greatest generation for a reason. And, you know, you look at the way that we've evolved, it's, 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 it's politics, it's e- economics, it's uh, media, uh, social media, News, media, yeah. you know, all those things have, have been part of this evolution. Well, Egypt's been there for, uh, Israel's been there 400 years, right? And so, you know, what you see then is God starting to parallel these things, and He's gonna, He's gonna, He's gonna show them through Christ, you know, in, in, in such a unique way. You know, Israel was oppressed; that they were, they were in this bondage, and they needed a deliverer. Well, well, God looked down on them, and He said, "I'm going to deliver you now." He does the same thing with Jesus. He He looks down on us, and He says, "You need a deliverer, world." Right, there was a small amount of the people in the world that cried out to God. Mm-hmm. You know, the Jews that said, "We need your help." He said, "I've heard the cry of my people." Not everybody. Yeah, it's not everybody. That's the Jew. You know, the the few that were that he chose to hear. Yeah, that that right. that God was that were still trying to do what God wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. Right, 
And so what then you see is this little small group becomes the collective savior for the whole. And God says, my people, now he's bringing everybody out of Egypt, all the Israel out of Egypt. He's going to bring them all out, even though they're idolaters. I mean, remember in Exodus 32, we're just a few weeks into it and they're building the golden calf. Mm-hmm. And so this isn't like this thing, you know, they hit the Red Sea and they're, they, 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 they leave it behind on the other side. That's not what happens. And so right. God brings... Israel out, they needed a deliverer. He gives them through it with Moses. We need a deliverer. He gives it to us through Jesus. That's why he tells right. us these stories. Jesus tells us these, I should say stories, these analogies. Like, yeah. like you're a slave and you don't know it. And you're like, no, I'm not. I've never, you're, you're a slave and you don't know it. Really what you need more than anything is freedom. And so what you see then is God uses this small group of people in Jesus' day, the Jews, to be the deliverer for the world. Right, mm-hmm. they're going to bring this deliverer to the world through Jesus. Same thing in, in in under Egypt, you have this small group of Jews that's going to deliver the 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 small group of the faithful Jews is going to deliver all of Judaism. Mm-hmm. You have this small group of people that goes through this whole lineage that God shows. It gets to Judah and this little family and all those things, and He's going to deliver the world. So the world didn't know that it needed a savior. All of Israel didn't know it needed a savior. It just knew it was oppressed. All the world knows that they got problems and challenges and all these things, but they don't know how to fix them. God sent us Jesus through this small group of people. He saved Israel through this small group of people. And what he does is he brings them across the Sinai Peninsula. And he says, I need to give you a law. I need you to understand who I am. I know you've forgotten me. I'm going to do all these things in your presence so that you can see and know who I am. God gives him these things. And he tells them, when you go into Canaan, listen, you're going to have to go in. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to do all these things I'm going to tell you to do. But I'm going to be with you. If i got to send hornets in, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Whatever we got to do, hair to I'm going I'm, I'm, it's already. I'm already delivering it to you. It's yours. But you're going to have to work until you get there. And so God does the same thing to us. He says, listen, you know, this this remnant of people that God would bring salvation to the world through, now it's open to everybody, and you're going to have to labor until you reach your rest. That's why Hebrews 4 does this, like, great, big, long discourse, and it says, therefore, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, mm-hmm. let us fear lest any of you have to come short of it. Don't fall short. For indeed the gospel was preached to us, as well to them. But the word, which being they heard, didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith and those who heard it. These guys weren't doing it out of faith. They weren't, they had, they had, what happened is when God says, I'm going to deliver you and I've got this way that you need to live, they looked at that way to live was the way that they were going to be delivered instead of saying, God gave me this way. I'm going to do what he says because it's the right way. And, and not say, hey, because I did this thing the right way, now you have to hold up your end of the bargain. The, the Hebrew writer says they didn't do that by faith is when you said, Lord, I'm going to try my best. The opposite of faith is saying, I did what you said, now you deserve to give it to me. Yeah, and that and so I, I did a little study on this. The, it's not being mixed with faith. Well, that faith, that word there in verse 2, and that's the noun form of this word. Yeah. And so it wasn't mixed with faith. We for we who have believed do enter that rest. That is that is a verb um, form. that's the verb form, and that's the same verb form as in Hebrews eleven six. Right. Which but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must comes. Be- right. That's 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 a verb. That's action. Right. Must believe. Right. That's it. That is that that is that verb form too. He must believe that he is. It's not just this intellectual thing, but he's rewarded those who diligently 
Seekim. Yep. And so believing y'all, you better check yourself on this whole thing. And and so both sides, denomination people need to check themselves, and us people in the church need to check ourselves because we've allowed the denomination world to define faith and believe. Yes, you're gonna you're going to you you're gonna you're gonna it's all encapsulated in this faith, this noun yep. form of faith that that we're gonna we're saved by faith yep all right we're saved by system. grace through faith that's a system but it's it's that belief part that is that verb that action right. form yeah we got to be careful that we don't sh- when shooting holes through it from our denominational go, oh, friend no, it's not through faith yes it is yeah. it's through the verb form yeah, of exactly faith. we don't shoot so many holes in it that you can't see the word anymore exactly right? sorry sorry go ahead no and that's why he says in four verse three for we who have believed mm-hmm. there's the verb form right right do enter that rest, as he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spoken in a certain place in the seventh day this way. God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Why? He wanted us to long for the rest that we have when we mm-hmm. leave this life. And again, this place, they say, they shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains some that must enter, and and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of what? Disobedience. Disobedience. See, it's, it, that's that. Faith is, in your belief has to be this action part, an obedient faith. And, and again, he designates in a certain place, David, I think it's Psalm, I think it's what it is. Today, yeah, Psalm, uh, 95, 95 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. I'm glad I did a previous Bible study on this and wrote <laughs> it down in my Bible. The, for if Joshua had given them rest. Now, just think about that. You know, Joshua, when he comes into the land, they come into Canaan. This is this picture of heaven, right? That's what God is trying to get us to see. I'm going to deliver you. Even though you all of you guys don't even understand what you need, you just know that you're in a mess. I'm giving you the hope of rest. That's what mm-hmm. I'm giving you. And it's going to come through Moses and then through Joshua. You're going to enter Canaan. And God's plan was for the enter Canaan and almost like have, you know, Garden of Eden part two. Yeah, and right? the Hebrew writer, what he's telling them, he's like, if, if Joshua gave you that rest in verse 8, then he would not afterward have spoken of, of another day that's right and, and the new american standard verse nine says there remains a sabbath rest and so he's telling them you got a final sab- you got a final the sabbath that is right. waiting on you yep there's there's one that's at the end and that's why he points it puts it the rest at the end of the week right mm-hmm. and so god does all these things he's trying to draw our minds to this idea that listen there's gonna be a lot of labor that's gonna have to go into your rest but that's why he calls it a rest for that's why he calls it, you know, like I was telling you last Wednesday, literally I spent six hours on the phone, mm-hmm. and it just wore me slap Y'all out. call Chris. He he needs encouragement. He loves talking on the phone <laughs> lots of times. Let me turn it down now. Being, going to flash Chris's uh, <laughs> phone number up there on the screen. But, you know, it just wear you slap out, yeah. you know, dealing with, you know, and, and it needed to be, you know, the things I was doing mm-hmm. was for the kingdom. I'm not saying I'm right. complaining. But it will wear you out, yeah. you know? I mean, it will just wear I, I would I rather know, have those, busted wood all day long. Those days, and it's like, you're, you know, your your wife goes, she's like, well, how was your day? Well, I've just been on the phone all day. I'm just exhausted. You're exhausted from being on the phone? It's like, you don't understand. Yeah, and, and so you realize that there's this rest. There's this special thing that God prepares. And think about what he's done. He's painted this picture over and over. 
He gave us the garden, right? Mm-hmm. There's this place of rest that you'll never die again. Yeah. He gives Israel Canaan, this place of rest where everything is going to be okay. I'm he gave on. he gave Noah the boat. Yeah, he gave Noah the. I mean, there's there's all these analogies that God's trying to 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 point towards these types and anti-types of heaven. Shadows of things that will come. That's exactly right. And so what you see with this rest that that the Hebrew writer is talking about here is he's talking about the final one. That's why he says, Joshua, if it was just about us conquering Canaan, then we got that licked. And we wouldn't need God anymore. Right. But that's not what he says. He says there's a rest that comes. There's another Canaan's land that that we're coming to. And so – that's a good thing to, to you know think about that uh man. verse 11 says let us therefore now now my, all my boys had to learn Hebrews 4 and verse 12 before I would give them their first knife. Mm. So if they wanted their first pocket knife they had to learn Hebrews 4 and verse 12. Verse 11 is is the reason why verse 12 is a commentary on it. Hebrews 4:11 says let us let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him who must, who we must give an account. So you think about that Hebrews 4.12 is about us. It's about God's word piercing, dividing, trimming, all these things to help us to really become what we need to be. That's why he says, be diligent. Be diligent to enter that rest. How do you do it? With God's word. It's that, that was this whole thing is that this Hebrew writer is trying to paint this picture that Jesus is better than the law. Jesus is better than the priesthood. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than 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 the sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Jesus is better than all these things. And so he's saying the rest for us is better than anything that you've had. But, you know, you Jews, you Hebrew Christians want to look backwards and say, man, if it were just like it was when we went into Canaan on Joshua's generation, man, we'd be jammed up. And he says, that won't the one at all. You were just taking a breather then. That was just that was just halftime. The big show's coming, and so you know this idea of how we live our lives. You know, you think about it's a sad thing when you pray and you see somebody that's sick, ailing, and you know we've got people around us that yeah that are struggling mm-hmm. and got some tough life decisions to make yeah and but those pale in comparison to eternity decisions yeah finish that finish your statement good though because you said it's you said something along the lines of you almost put painted the negative light on prayer it's it's a struggle whenever we see people when that we pray for and and we don't get the immediate outcomes is that what you're saying or well it's 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 sometimes i struggle with when somebody's sick, like Miss Jessie, boy, we prayed a lot for Miss Jessie. Mm-hmm. And the last text message I got from her was, pray for me. And, you know, you think about those things, and, and I always struggle because I feel like I'm praying for her family. Mm-hmm. Because 
the family is is what doesn't want to let go of mama. But as a Christian, there's a lot of people that I would think would be quaking, trembling on the day of judgment that I've known in my lifetime. Yeah. And I don't pretend to be a judge. I don't pretend to, to, to be the person that's going to call them to reckoning. But there are some people that they've hurt too long, and you think it's time to rest. And so I struggle with how to pray for yeah. those things because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm spending more time keeping a saint out of heaven than I am a sinner out of hell. Yeah. Um, one of the things that that I've – I know I've done more than once is uh, praying with those families in those moments and for that person. And this is a, this is a a thing that leadership, I think um, that we can glean from. And I think families can glean from because it's, it's a, it's almost like it's in a, when, when, when are we are there in person to pray? And I say leadership, I'm just saying like, you're a Christian. Like be be there for those people and and when you go and pray with somebody but you know i've I've prayed this more than once for for people in their darkest hours um and and telling them too even when they can't open their eyes and all they can barely do is just give a little squeeze on the hand is don't don't be afraid to go to jesus mm-hmm. and and lord uh don't lord help us not to be selfish and and help them to uh to to freely be willing to just come on into your arms, you know, because that's a that's a blessed sight. Mm-hmm. But that but when we pray those things, those are um, it does something I think for the family. It helps them release it too because they we, we hold on for so long. Absolutely, and yeah. and part of that is is it's a we we see the face side of it is God didn't heal, didn't bring my loved one up out of that bed. Right. Yeah, he did. That's right. And it's just our oh, ye of little faith. What what he did was he left behind the heart. He he brought our loved one out of the bed. But what he did was he left behind the party would never need again. Um, you know my my last words to to uh, Jesse Ridley's last words to me were "I love you," and that was through a text message. And my last words to her was, "Um, I love you, and if, if I don't if I don't see you again, I'll see you in heaven." And don't be afraid to go to the Lord. And uh, it's a, you know, there's a, there's a, there's just a, man, it, if, when we understand that it's victory, that's victory time, the victory dance, that when we can finally understand that, um, man, it, it changes our life. But it, it, uh, I also had uh, somebody real special to me talk recently. They said, uh, they said talking about how that they um, their mom said, "Well, you don't have to be so strong, you know. You're going to end up falling out at the funeral or whatever." And that person said, "I'm not going to fall out at the funeral." They said, "The people who fall out at funerals are people who regret their relationship with somebody, you know, oftentimes." Mm-hmm. And it's because because they didn't uh, they didn't spend time with Granny, they didn't spend mm-hmm. time with Mama, they didn't take that phone call, they didn't do those things, and. And uh, and they don't understand, you know, true faith and where somebody's at and and how beneficial it is. But, uh, man, that rest, he said, it remains. And so, 
Let us therefore be diligent. Let us strive to enter that rest. Write the words of your eulogy today. Yeah, I'm going to close this one verse. And this would be a good way to punch it home. And, you know, the, the if you ever need encouraging, you ever need help, you ever need, you know, to, to, to shift your focus when it when you're struggling and just – just pick up the book of Philippians and read it. And, and uh, mm-hmm. Philippians chapter one and verse 27. And I've read this many a times and in verse number 28, it's verse 27. It says, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs. You know, your, your story's living. That you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the face of the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition. If you're scared, if you're scared of what's going to happen, if you're scared of the rest, you prove them that that hell is real. But to you, salvation and that from God. So live like you're dying.